Okay, I've got a, a little message for you. Let's pray this one in, and then I will explain how we run our Cinema Sunday. Has anyone ever been in a Cinema Sunday before in us? Yeah, a bunch of us. We did Movie May last year, every, or another year before now, isn't it? Every Sunday in May, we did a, a gospel message based on a film, and it was so, went so well, we decided we'd do a one-off in, in August, so we're doing that. Let's pray. Father, thank you for what you're already doing in our midst this morning. We love you and we honour your presence. Lord, I pray you'd anoint this moment in our service as we look into your word, as we get inspired to move forward with you, as we learn to be a little bit more like you, Jesus. Lord, use people like us to reach people who don't yet know you. Let us be people that carry the greatest message on the planet really well. Let us represent you well. Let love pour out of us. Let faith pour out of us. Let us be the solution, I pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. Okay, this is how it works. We are using the classic film, Forrest Gump. Give me a wave if you've seen Forrest Gump. Come on. There was a revelation on the front row this morning that Sarah Jane has never seen Forrest Gump. I mean, hang on. She used to be up here in my estimation, but now... Oh dear. Uh, so we're going to use Forrest Gump, um, but it's, I'm using this to round off our series which we've called New is New. And I base that on the scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 11 and verse 14 where it talks about rain in its season. And then it talks about gathering, so much rain that your crops grow. And it's this whole idea of growth, personal growth, church growth. But then there's fresh anointing. It talks about olive oil. And there's a fresh anointing coming on you in this new season that you're going to be able to run faster than you've ever run before, carry more than you've ever done before, be more effective than you've ever done before because this is a new season. And I don't say that just to make it sound good. I guess often we go to a church meeting and go, oh, it's all new. No, no, God said this. And that's why it's being so powerful because God's in it with us. So the way we'll run this is there's three clips. They're all about four minutes long. Uh, we'll watch a clip. And then I'll stand up and I'll speak about that clip for about five minutes. And then we'll watch the next clip. And then I'll speak about it. And the next clip and I'll speak about it. That's how we'll do it. Uh, but in it, I just believe you're going to be blessed. Uh, we'll have some fun with it. But there's a powerful message in the midst of it. Hey guys, in our online service, we're not allowed to show the Forrest Gump clips. But it's such a famous film, I know that you know it. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to explain the bit we're going to show. And then we're going to be able to link you into to how I preach around that clip uh, in person. So the first clip I show is actually the opening of the, of, the, of the Forrest Gump film. It's where he says, life is like a box of chocolates. And he's sat on that bench and he's talking to the lady and the bus arrives. And he, and he unpacks um, what his mama said uh, uh, about this box of chocolates. So that's the clip we were going to show at the beginning. It's just three or four minutes long. But I'm sure you know the film and I'm sure you can picture the scene. That's the bit they'll be watching in person. Are you remembering the film? So here we have this film, and one of the overriding themes in the film is that Forrest never really fits in. He's not accepted. He's got lots of struggles. He's different. But he's got his mama. And all the way through the film, you will hear him say, Mama says, I promised my children I'm not going to keep impersonating Forrest. <laughs> all the way through the film, he says, Mum says, Mum says, Mum says. And even despite all the struggles, he's got this champion in his ear saying, you can do it, Forrest. You can do it, Forrest. Mama says, Mama, you can say this about me, but my mama says, 
you can do this forest. And everywhere he is, he gets rejected and pushed aside for all the obvious reasons. But mama says. And it's amazing because what his mum does is he instills a confidence in Forrest that he'll try some stuff. And as you follow the, th the film through, he's an exceptional man. He goes into the army and he's just not anyone. He's faithful, he's loyal, he pushes through to the end, he saves his comrades, he's exceptional. He goes on to be literally the best table tennis player in the world. He starts a business, the shrimping business, and he just flies with it. He becomes this massive multi-millionaire businessman. He's exceptional. Why? Mama says, I might not fit in with you. You might have an opinion about me, but Mama says. And he has this confidence just to try stuff. He's the most amazing friend to Jenny who quite frankly messes him about all over the place, but he's loyal, he's faithful. What a guy. Because Mama says, and here's our obvious reality. Father says, Father says, Father says of you, Father says of you, Father says of you. Do you know what he says of you? You're fearfully and wonderfully made. People might have an opinion on you, but I crafted you in the womb. You're awesome. The Bible says you're the apple of his eye. You're his treasured possession. The Bible says you're the joy set before him. That's your father. And he's talking about you. It's just not some weird Bible concept. It's your truth. So when you start thinking about what you could do, what you might step into, how you might function in life, Father says, yes, you can. And we live in a world that's full of opinion. Opinion on you and what you can and can't do, where you do and don't fit. But your, your reality and your truth should be, Father says. And I know it's a weird concept looking at it through Forrest Gump, but you can see the truth that the film brings out. But I want to look at this whole idea, you know, this great philosopher that is Forrest Gump. Life is like a box of chocolates. Well, is it? We look at that and we all probably sit and watch the film and go, yeah, yeah, I'll see what he means, yeah. But is that true? Well, let's look at it straight through the eyes of his analogy. Hands up if you buy a nice big box of chocolates at Christmas. Most people. Hands up if you've ever had a big box of chocolates. Most people. I guarantee you, I think I can say this with some authority, there will be one particular kind of chocolate in that box that you'll always leave till last. In our house, it's the Prawlines. Does anyone actually like Prawlines? Oh, wow. <laughs> At Christmas time, if, you're, if you need some more Prawlines, come round our house because we'll have a box full of them. Toffee penny, anyone? No, I see, wish. <laughs> Toffee pennies take too long, don't they? The, the coconut, don't like the coconut at the front. But here's your reality. Why are those last? Because you know what you're picking. It isn't random. If life is like a box of chocolates, you get to choose. That's why them horrible ones are at the end. Come round house for the prawn line. We don't go in there and go, oh, I'll have that one. Oh, it's the prawn line. You go in there and you think, I'm not having that one because it's the prawn line. You choose. Can you see what I'm trying to say? If life is like a box of chocolates, do you know what? You get choice. Let me put some Bible on this. Deuteronomy 30 and verse 19. It says this. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you. 
that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that your children may live. You see, we get choice. The Bible urges us, choose life, which means you could also not choose life. I could choose to go into that box of chocolates and go like that and end up with the prawline. Or I could open my eyes and think, I'm going to make a good choice. And then I know what I'm going to get. But here's the key in terms of your life. There has to be restrained choices. And it's because of this verse here in Proverbs 29 and verse 18. It says this, Where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. But blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instructions. Some verses where that says uh, revelation use the word vision. You see, when you've got a vision, is, is a clear picture of a better future, a clear picture of where you want to be one day. That's my vision. That's where I'm heading. A revelation could be, I've got a revelation. That's where I'm going. That's my revelation. I'm going there. And so what that does is it causes restraints. Let me unpick that a little bit. If you are someone who one day wants to be in a great marriage, today you need to restrain your choices. Because if you're someone who likes the blue-eyed boy with the smooth tongue, wears the clothes, got all the chat, smooths around and loves it, you know, so many people fall for that guy. But does that guy bring with him a great marriage? Because he's the kind of guy who smooths around, but he doesn't really hold a job down. He's all about the play. He's all about living now. He's cool and the rest of it, everyone loves him. But imagine you married that. Three years into your marriage, what's he doing? He's being the smooth guy. He's still talking to people. He's still not pinning a job down. You're trying to make ends meet. You're not even sure if he loves you anymore. And you're in this marriage. Why? Because you didn't restrain your choices. You want to look for the person you think, I could have a future with you. Do you see? So your vision restrains your choices. You might be someone who thinks, I want to be in a better financial place in 10 years' time. So that means you can't buy it now and pay for it later. That means you can't be all fast and loose with your money. You have to choose now, and it is a choice to say, I'm going to handle my money well with what I've got now because later I want to be in a better position. And here's what happens with people who make those choices. Ten years down the line, you're in a healthy marriage and you've got a little bit over in your budget and you're living well and you're comfortable and you're doing well. Someone will come up to you and say this. It's easy for you. So easy for you. What they don't know is ten years ago you had a vision. Ten years ago, you had a revelation, and you restrained your choices because of where you wanted to be. And they didn't. And so when they see you living the life, they go, it's easy for you. But it wasn't. You just made a choice. Can you see? Life doesn't just happen to you. You choose. The Bible says choose life. Now, I don't know what life looks like for you, but I know you get to choose. So can you see, I don't want to pour water all over Forrest's philosophy because there are elements of truth, isn't it? Because there are some curveballs. Sometimes you don't know what you're going to get. There could be a sickness that catches you and blindsides you. There could be a pandemic. No one saw that one coming. But here's the great thing. Jesus teaches us on that. He says, build your house on the rock. So when the storm comes, you stand strong. When the blindside thing comes, you stand strong. You're not on the sand where you go, oh, 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 caught me offside. No, no, I'm strong. 
I build my life on the revelation of Jesus. He is my rock. He keeps me strong. His plans are good for me, and I'm going to live like that. I love what Paul says. He says in Philippians, he says, I've learned to be content. If I've got lots or I've got little, I'll be content. And there'll be times in my life when I haven't got as much as I wanted. But you know what? I make a choice in my heart of what my attitude is going to be as I go through that. And so when I'm in a moment of lack, I'm going to choose to be all right. But when I'm in a moment of plenty, I'm going to maintain my heart. Can you see? So there are moments with the philosophy of Forrest, which are, I have a little bit of truth to them. But we still get to choose what, we, what our foundation is and what our choices and hearts going to look like in that. Can you hear what I'm trying to say? Let's have a little, little bit more look at Forrest. Hey, I hope you're enjoying this. Clip number two, again, we're not able to show it, but the clip I will show is the bit where the, the lads turn up on their bikes and they start throwing stones at Forrest. And so Jenny, his best friend, is with him and she says, run, Forrest, run. But he's got these calipers on his legs. And as he starts to run, eventually he runs so fast that the calipers fall off. And Forrest says, and I could run, and I could run like the wind. And he shows that he just shoots off and the bikes can't even catch him because he's so fast so there's that clip right there of run forest and his calipers falling off and him running away from his bullies that's the clip I'm going to show here's what I say about it so good who feels like going home and watching the whole film later <laughs> so here we have this situation where Forrest is getting bullied you know how awful actually that anyone gets picked on and we see it in society don't we today but the trouble is those things can hold someone for the rest of their life Hold them in through fear, being mocked. It's debilitating. It can ruin lives. But here's the great thing. Forrest got moving. Forrest, there was a moment in Forrest's heart that said, enough. And with his best friend Jenny's voice ringing in his ear, run, run, Forrest. And there must have been that moment where he thought, yeah, go. And there was those leg braces. And those leg braces, I think, are very pictorial. It's great imagery for us of the thing that keeps you in your past, the thing that stops you stepping forward. I wonder how many of us can relate to it, that we've wanted, we've seen a vision, we've seen somewhere we want to go, and we feel like, oh, but I just can't get there because something's pulling me back. Something's, there's been an issue, there's been a word said, there's been a, a lack of confidence, there's been something that's holding me. They're like the leg braces. But here's Jenny saying, run, Forrest, run. And he just goes. And I love it. I don't just run. I run like the wind. And here's what I want to say to you. Forrest's best friend was shouting, run. Well, you've got a best friend. And his name's Jesus. And he says, come on. Run. Run like the wind. I've put it in you. Whatever's holding you back, it's time to have that spirit of indignation to say, enough. I'm going forward and I'm going to run. And it might take one step or two steps or three steps, but in the end, you're going to get bolder and you're going to go and you go, and if I was going anywhere, I was running. <laughs> Sorry, Josh. <laughs> Disappointed. It made me feel like there's some links here between David's story, David and Goliath. We're all familiar with that. You know, David turns up at the battle. His dad sent him to meet his brothers. He's probably got some cheese and pickle sandwiches and a couple of Prawline chocolates for them. <laughs> And uh, he's gone to meet them. And there's this Goliath coming out, challenging them. Who will take me on? 
one-on-one, -on -one, winner takes all, you can't defeat me. And all of the army are quaking, oh, I don't fancy that too much, that's not a bit of me, that one. But David rocks up, and David's the guy they sent out in the field. David's the young one. He's the runt of the family, if you like. And he comes up to bring some sandwiches, and he says, I'll do it. And can you imagine? Can you imagine what was actually said? His brothers, what? Ch ch shut up! Get back to the field, you idiot. What chance have you got? That's the kind of thing that would have been said. How many of us have had a moment where we thought, I'll do that, and someone has said, who do you think you are? Well, there's no question David faced that. They, uh, Goliath, according to 1 Samuel 17 and verse 14, Goliath was six cubits and a span. You translate that into today's money, that's nine foot six. Goliath was nine foot six. Is anyone familiar with the football player Virgil van Dyke? Virgil van Dyke is six foot four. Have a look at this picture on the screen when he meets Taco Fall. Virgil van Dyke is in the middle. He's six foot four. Taco Fall is seven foot seven. Imagine playing basketball against him. Goliath, nine foot six. Two foot taller than Taco. Goliath was a monster of a man. But there was this moment. There was this moment for David where he thought, enough. You might think I'm the runt in the field. You might think I'm the youngest. You might think I'm not capable. But this is what he says. Look at it. 1 Samuel 17 verse 45 says this. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. I've got something on the inside of me you're never going to beat. You might be nine foot, 20 million, you might be massive, but my God, I don't care what's up against me. I don't care what you say about me. I'm not being held back. This is my time. And he steps forward and we know the story. But I love this and I learned something in the men's devotions during lockdown. We had a seven o'clock meeting, which not many men turned up to, <laughs> tad early. But John Kidd turned up. Round of applause for Mr. John Kidd. And John Kidd's like, he's got these little bits of knowledge that are like quite, oh, I didn't know that. He's, he's quite a knowledgeable man. And he knows stuff about weapons. John the Weapon Kid. And he said, what you don't know is that people who were good with a slingshot back then would be the equivalent of a marksman today. So in effect, it was like sending someone to a sword fight with a gun. Let that sink in for a moment. David actually couldn't lose. But to the eye, nine foot six, waving his sword about. Little kid. Not, not John kid. Little kid David. <laughs> da, da, David turns up. Average sized guy in his teens. To the eye, you think, you've got no chance. But even in the natural, the odds were stacked for David. He went to a sword fight with a gun. But he went in the name of the Lord. Win, win. And here's what I want to say to you. This is a new season for you. There will be a whole stack of reasons for you not to step into it. There will be things like the braces on your legs, on, on Forrest Gump's legs that are holding you back and stopping you. But at some point, you've got to listen to the voice of the Lord that says, run, run like the wind, step into it. And do you know what he'll do? 
He'll stack the odds in your favor. He has equipped you. He had equipped David. David learned how to use those weapons in the field. No one saw it. No one's seen what God's been doing in your, in your life, in your thought processes, in your faith journey, in your skill set. No one's seen it. God has. And as you step into your future, which is going to be blessed, he's equipped you so the odds are actually stacked in your favor. Everyone thought Goliath can't lose this, but he came in the name of the Lord. And we know the outcome. What I love about that, and we don't teach this in Sunday school. He, he knocks the giant down, and that's where it finishes in Sunday school. What actually happens is David goes and picks up Goliath's own sword and chops Goliath's heads off with his own sword. Now, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> the shackles come off. Let me speak it over you, church. Your shackles are coming off. Let's watch another clip. I hope you're enjoying this. Here's the final clip. Clip number three that I'll show in person is the clip where Forrest is reflecting on his life and he just decides to get up and run. And he keeps running and he keeps running and he keeps running and he runs for so long that it becomes newsworthy. He finds himself on national news and people love what he's doing so he ends up getting this crowd of people following him running because people love to, to follow someone who's inspirational. So that's the clip I'm showing showing the clip where Forrest just keeps running. He's decided he's going to run, and he just keeps going at it. That's clip three. Here's what I'm going to say about it. Enjoy this. He's a cool guy, isn't he? As Forrest breaks free from all that's held him back, one day he just decides, I'm going to run. But he runs to such an extent that it inspires people. And we know that people want to belong. That's why gang culture works in today's society. People want to belong to something. People want to be inspired. And so I feel like for you today, Forrest lays down a challenge. Could you run in such a way that inspires someone else? Could you run in such a way that inspires someone else to want to run with you? Could we live for Jesus in such a way that people see it and find it attractive? Could you go into the business world in such a way that inspires another young entrepreneur? Could you be a parent in such a way that some other parent says, can you teach me how you brought your child up? That inspired me. You know, Forrest lays down a challenge, doesn't he? There's all kinds of areas in life where you could say, I want to run and I want to run free and I want to inspire some people so much. Do you know David did exactly that in the Bible? Because we've just seen, haven't we, how he kills Goliath. And imagine how everyone on the army, all of Israel, felt at that moment. The undefeatable giant was defeated. How do you think they felt about David? You know, they sing this song. Saul was the king at the time. And they say, Saul, who was brilliant. Saul kills his thousands, but David kills ten thousands. They were celebrating David. The only unfortunate thing here is Saul became jealous. Because he was the king. They celebrated him. And then this young kid comes up. And now they're all celebrating him to a greater degree. And Saul tries to kill him several times. But David gets wind of it each time. And he has to run away for fear of being killed by the king he served. He has to run away. And he finds himself in this cave in Adullam. And I just want to read you this passage here in 1 Samuel chapter 22, verses 1 and 2. David left Gath. And escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brothers of his father's household heard about it, they went down to meet him there. All those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him. And he became their commander. About 400 men were with him. 
How cool is that? You see, what David has done is demonstrated something publicly. You're all going to be scared of this giant, but I come in the name of the Lord. He not only says it, he backs it up. He has some action to his faith, and it inspires some people, so much so that they start celebrating him. Saul gets jealous, even though David was serving Saul, and tries to kill him. But people don't forget the inspiration of David. And so when they hear his run away, what do they do? They go with him, because he's now their inspiration. And it's interesting that it talks about people who are discontented and, and in debt and struggling. And people are looking for, for some inspiration somewhere. 400 men. Who knows about the women and children? 400 men gathered around him. And as you follow the story through, it quickly becomes 600. And then it quickly grows even more than that. He gathers this vast army and he's their commander. And this is what I love about it. As you follow the story through, you'll find this section where it talks about David's mighty men. And these men are just absolutely outrageous. It tells their stories. They go out and they defeat vast armies single-handedly. I remember there's a story where some guy beats a whole army with a jawbone. Now that's what I'm talking about. A thousand men come at you, but I've got a jawbone. Because I come in the name of the Lord. It looks like the odds are stacked against me, but I come in the name of the Lord. And he gathers these people who are highly skilled around him. Why? Because he demonstrated something and led by example. It leads to this thought process. Could you make choices that inspire people to want to be around you? And could you live in such a way that highly skilled people want to be around you? The choices you make now will be reflected in the people you attract later. So if you could live in such a way, whatever, whether you're in business, whether you're in parenting, whether you're in teaching, whether you're in a student, whether you're a, you know, a, a person of faith, whether you're serving in the church, whatever it is you're doing, could you do it in such a way that people are like, oh, you, you just inspire me. Could I walk with you for a bit? I think I could draw off of you. And what they actually do is bring their skills and it adds to something. Now, this is a picture of the church. Could we be church in such a way that honours God that people who aren't yet in church look at us and go, you've got something. You inspire me. Let me walk alongside you for a bit. And what happens in the process? They encounter the living God. They meet the living God, give their lives to the living God, and they bring their skills to the church. The church expands. Our skill set expands. We can reach more people. Why? Because me and you made a choice one day that I'm living it for real. Because me and you have got skills, God-given, and we're not going to back off when the giant's in front of us, and we're not going to back off when someone tells us we're no good. We're going to stand up and say, I come in the name of the Lord. And lives will be changed. The people you are hanging around with now will say something about your future. Think about that. Who are you attracting now? Because if you're hanging around with now, we'll say something about where you're headed. Because you're gathering thoughts, processes, ideas, skill sets, conversation, and it affects you. But if you make a choice in your heart today that God has said to me, I've got a new season. So I'm going to start living like I'm heading in a new season. Now some people you're with might not like it and they might fall away and that is sad. But you know what? It lets you go forward. But what it will do is attract different people who will help you when you get there. And I believe that's exactly what Forrest has demonstrated. I'm just going to run. 
I'm going to run, I'm going to express myself. I'm just going to keep running. I've come this far, I'm going to run some more. And suddenly this great crowd gets around him. And they're all inspired by this guy who just says, I'm going to do something. Well, could you do something? Could you step out in some area of your life and say, I'm going there and I'm not backing down. I'm going to keep going. Just you watch as you continue to do it. You'll start gathering people. And God will use you to inspire some others. You know, for me as a lead pastor, I go and hang around with pastors who are, who are pastoring churches of thousands. And it inspires me. I want to be around that. Because the way they think, the way they talk, the way they process stuff helps me. And there are people who, with smaller churches than us who come around me and I spend time with them and we chat and we pray together and I give them my skills. And we're all helping each other forward. It's such a great community in, in the pastor's world. But how about making that in your world? Because we need each other to move forward. But the reality in all of this is God has ordained a new season for you. And what God says will happen, no man can close down. Our choice is will we play our part to say yes. And that will mean you have to restrain some of your choices, some of your language, some of the people you're hanging out with. You have to just trim it in because I'm heading somewhere. But that's the challenge to you as an individual and to us as a church because we're in a new season, and I don't want to stand up here in three, year time, three years' time and go, oh, we're in another new season. No, no, I want to be running in the season. Because we made choices along the way. Life with Jesus in the middle has to lead to fullness. Because he said, didn't he, in John 10.10, 10, I came that you'd have life and life in its fullness. That's what he came for. For you. Not just for everyone else sat next to you, it's for you. And so as we make choices... And embrace Jesus in the middle, it has to lead to fullness. And when your life is full, there will be people looking at that and go, you inspire me. Sarah and I have it all the time, especially when we meet with you know, our wider family. Oh, you two always come up smelling of roses. Yeah, we do. But you know why? It's not because we're brilliant. It's because he's brilliant. And what we do is we honour him as best as we're able. And we're people. We get it wrong sometimes. Sarah, a lot more than me. We make mistakes, but you know what? On average, our average, and I believe in averages, we all have a great day and we all have a terrible day, but what's your average like? On average, we choose Jesus. And when you live like that, it has to attract fullness. You know, you, you, could, you could slip in some dog's mess and land in the roses. Do you know what I mean? God just makes it happen. I tell you, I'm, I'm going off track now. Someone rein the pastor in. But you can hear what I'm saying. You are called to fullness. You are stepping into a season that is God-ordained, but you can choose, yes or no. You can choose to shift some stuff in your world, to embrace a new season, or you can hang back and wonder why it never happens for you. But it is a choice. And so my challenge through the eyes of Forest Camp this morning, church, as we round off our new is new season is, will you choose? Could you stand up? I'd love to pray for you. Jesus. Hey, come on, let's just have every eye closed just for a moment. Just honor the people around you. Give everyone their, their moment with the king. Just really believe in these moments in the gathering that God can shift hearts, can change minds in a moment. Holy Spirit, we just honor your presence right now. You're welcome here. Move amongst your church. Touch hearts, touch minds. Stir creativity in your church. Give us new ideas, Lord God.
I just speak the word vision over you, church. Your personal vision. Let God feed that, water that, grow that. Where do you want to be? Who do you want to be? How do you want it to pan out? What's your vision? Lord, I just, just declare vision over your church. And Father, as we just develop that vision, I pray, Lord God, that you would help us to make the right choices to enable that vision to pan out. Thank you, Lord God, that the odds are stacked in our favor. We are taking a gun to a sword fight. We can't lose. But within that, Lord God, I want to declare right now the shackles are off. Run, church. Run, church. Run, church. You are free. Free to express yourself. Free to be you. And I declare that word, full life, over you in Jesus' name. Just always feel like it's good to give a, a response moment. So just with every eye closed, is there someone today here saying, yep, I want to put a marker down. Today's a new day for me. I've heard the message and I'm making a choice today to say yes to Jesus and no to the things that are stopping me getting where I want to go. Just, as, just laying a marker down now, I just want you to raise your hand and we're going to pray together. God bless you there. God bless you there. God bless you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Come and lay a marker down. In one level, raising your hand makes no odds. But on another level, you're making a declaration to say, today's a new day for me. I'm shifting something. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for all those amazing people. I'm going to pray for you. Lord God, for everyone who's made that choice in their heart right now, I just declare today is a new day for you. The old has gone, the new has come. Nothing can pull you back. Challenge yourself daily to make Jesus' choices and watch your life explode. I declare it over you in Jesus' name. Just one more thing, just before we just worship one more time. Is there anyone in the room today who says, I want to be right with Jesus? The biggest and best decision you'll ever make. Some people have drifted away from Jesus and it may be today's a moment where you say, I'm coming back. Some people maybe never known Jesus personally. It's today the day you say, I want to know you personally. I'll always give that opportunity in every church service. It's today your day. If that's you, just give me a wave because we're going to pray together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, we're all good today, but we'll always give that opportunity. Father, I just thank you for today. Thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for gathering brilliant, brilliant people. I thank you that our future is assured. I thank you that we're in a new season. And I pray, Lord, that Holy Spirit, you would help us every day to make great choices. And I declare again, full life over you, church, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen, amen.